Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we watch the films that I, Eric, missed growing up. Um, I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hey everybody, and lovely to be here. Yeah, it is. I love it how Melbourne switches on the good weather on <laughs> days when we're like locked in an indoor record set. <laughs> when we have to sit inside and record a podcast instead of... There's a cat sunbaking outside. Yep, yep. <laughs> Oh, and we're in here. And it's um, been horrible all week leading up to this, and now... Ah, yeah. oh, hooray. Mm. Um, so... But, uh, we are back with a, uh, a film that I am a massive fan of, actually. Mm. Um, so I'm intrigued to get your take on. Yeah. Uh, we watched Rob Reiner's 1989 film, When Harry Met Sally. Men and women can't be friends. Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last night. I went night. over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing, to make and make a then long story short, we, we did it. They did it. Yeah, we did, and um, and similar to last time, we watched it separately. Mm-hmm. Um, just it works better time wise in life. Yeah, it makes um, it a little bit easier to get the recording done. Yeah, so so we can keep churning out quality content regularly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so like we did last time, it seemed to work quite well. I got Chris to send me a few questions um, before I watched the film. Uh, I think we'll go through some of my responses now. Yeah, yeah. So if you. I'll roll away, basically. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you asked me three questions, and the first one was, "How old are are they when they meet?" Which I had not considered. Yeah, I, I thought I'd go the kind of smartassy, mm. like, "When do they meet? How do they meet?" I know you double <laughs> you got me double guessing immediately. Yeah. Um, so your response, you said, "I feel Harry is about forty-five because Billy Crystal has always been old." <laughs> <laughs> we just, I just feel like he's been around forever. Yeah, which is a fair comment. Like, um, <laughs> like I totally agree. I would have said about 45 as well. Really? Like, okay. I think because uh, another Billy Crystal movie, uh, City Slickers, was oh, a yes. massive film for mm. me as a kid. It was like one of the few we had on VHS. Yep. And that all revolves around him turning 40. Oh, and I'm okay, like, okay yeah. yeah. Billy Crystal is always 40 at least plus. forty. Yeah, yeah, that's there we go. So I'm not I'm not crazy there. Mm. Um, and you said uh, Sally, you feel is about thirty. Um, you feel she's adult enough, but not as wrinkly as Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, you never kind of considered the fact that they might have met when they were kind of younger. You figure it's like that older kind of. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's just because of uh, the cover and um, like the footage of them walking through the park, chatting to each other, and things like that. Yeah, the poster. Um, mm-hmm. They're clearly adults in that poster. Yeah. Um, and and the, the scenes I'd seen, I guess the more famous scenes, I'd sort of least seen stills of and things like that. Yeah, so. they don't look like they're young kids. They look like they're adults. They're adults. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the next one? So, yeah. So, the second one you asked me was, yeah, where do they meet? Once again, I just <laughs> never thought about that. That's no, so a good question. And I loved your immediate response as just bluntly an art gallery. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> there is a scene that happens in a museum, at least. Yeah, so there, you were kind of there. Not part of it. <laughs> uh, but you were like, I have no idea. Maybe a bar. Uh, maybe they're two lonely people who have given up on finding a partner. Um, and you then hypothesize that maybe that's how the film kind of works. Like, it's these two lonely people that kind of, uh, you know, get a bond as plutonic friends. And then it gets into something deeper. So you're hey. kind of onto something there. <laughs> yep. Kind of onto it. 
And then finally, a final question, um, which is a really good one, is what makes it the, the classic that it is? Yeah. Um, this classic rom- rom-com. Because mm. um, yeah. I, I was messaging a friend of ours and previous guest on the show, Toby, um, saying, like, I just rewatched this and, man, I love it. And I, I think I described it to him as, like, this is on the Mount Rushmore of romantic comedies, I think. Yeah. I've always pictured it as, like, the godfather of romantic comedy. I, exactly, yeah. At least the modern romantic comedies. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was intrigued with why you thought that. And you, your response was the genuine on-screen chemistry between the two. You were saying Billy is a likable and fun and kind of relatable guy. Meg Ryan's the kind of relatable everyday girl. That's the kind of role she always plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also said she's attractive and blonde. Yeah. <laughs> like, tick, tick all the yep. Hollywood boxes uh-huh. there. Um, and you said it, uh, basically something a little cliche, but it's a likable, relatable characters brought to life with a great on-screen partnership. Plus, quotable, memorable scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, um... You were kind of on, yep. on the money there, but... Yeah. I think, um... I guess, look, that's a good one to sort of just roll straight through. Like, mm. like their on-screen chemistry was st- very strong. So Amazing. I yeah, think. like, yeah, it just works. It seems so natural and very, very real. So immediately it just doesn't feel fake and put on. Um, and and then just, like, the situation, you know, with... Um, I guess we'll get into the plot very briefly, but the situation they find themselves in the point of their life probably relates to a lot of people outside of the movie. Yeah. Um, it's a very relatable story and yeah. it's kind of done at some interesting kind of junctures at life. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, things don't all just happen in one magical moment. Yeah. Um, um, I guess brief plot synopsis here. Um, it's this... Uh, Harry meets Sally uh, when they are 21, leaving college. Sally, this is Harry Burns. Harry, this is Sally Albright. Nice to meet you. Um, Harry is dating a friend of Sally's at the University of Chicago, and they decide to drive across country to... uh, Well, not across, you know, a third of the country to uh, get to New York. So it's an 18-hour drive, and that's where they first meet, Mm -hmm. and they absolutely hate each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they are just like... She's like... Miss Innocent, um, and he is just look. He's not entirely crude. He's a twenty-one-year-old dude. <laughs> yeah, he is. But he's um, not like a frat boy. No, it's just like a. Mm. Um, yeah, but I figure we'll get back to this opening mm. scene. But then it's uh, you know they leave, seemingly say goodbye forever. Five years later, we meet again. Happenstance. Yep. Mm-hmm. They still can't stand each other. Then another five years passes, and they meet and strike up a friendship. Yep. And the film kind of superficially deals with the whole idea. The kind of overarching question is, can men and women be just friends? Yep. Does sex complicate it? Where does the relationship and where does the love come from? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's my simple, well easy... summarised. <laughs> yeah, very well done. Um, but I think what makes this film kind of stand out mm. is the fact that we... When they first meet each other for the first... I, I wrote it down. It's at the 14-minute mark of this film. Yep. These characters say goodbye forever. Well, have a nice life. You too. Which seemed like a very um, real and appropriate parting. Like, it just like they didn't get along. Yeah. Like, they're in New York City together. Um, you know, it's a pretty big place. Yes. Um, they're going to different 
I don't know, is he going to college again there? Is that what was going on? No, I think they were just both moving there because yeah. she had a big steamer trunk on the roof of the car and he, oh, had, right. he, had, a he had a duffel bag, bag <laughs> a pillowcase and a baseball bat. He had everything he needed. And one of the greatest wigs ever. I did not recognise him at all. I just thought it was another person. And then as soon as he started talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, okay. I, I will say, like, because I've got the absolute... I watched this on the amazing Shout Factory Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I just shout out to them. They're, it's a great addition. And yep. the transfer is amazing. Watching that when it's the close up of them when they're having dinner at that diner. Oh, yeah. It's like, who are you fooling, Billy Crystal? Yeah. <laughs> you put on a Mr. Spock wig and all of a sudden you're 21. <laughs> I know, mate. Yeah, very unattractive 21 year old. And then uh, Meg Ryan rocking the Farrah Fawcett hair. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. But um, it's such a wonderful kind of introduction of, like, for where the film ends up going because. We're plonking these two... It, it starts with that stereotypical romantic comedy trope. Yeah. Like, the, the cliches of the genre going all the way back to um, It Happened One Night in the 30s with, mm-hmm. um, you know, the classic film that won... One of the three films to win the top oh, five Oscars. Oh, the other one is But anyway, Clark, Clark Gable film. Yep. Like, yeah. And it's... Um, that's kind of the film that's set up for the rom-com, the idea of these two characters placed in a situation together and they can't stand each other, but they end up falling in love. You've got a name, haven't you? Yeah, I got a name. Peter Warren. Peter Warren. I don't like it. Yep. And that's where this film starts. It puts our characters in that situation. Yep. But then they say bye. <laughs> Just leave yes. at the 14-minute mark. Yep. And it's so... It, it kind of immediately subverts your expectations and you're like, okay, I'm in for something different here. Yes. And, and by it sets up our characters at, by giving us the five-year intervals. Yeah. We see them grow and mature, and then when they're finally people that are we can relate to as characters, yep. that's when our film takes off. And we know who they are because we've seen them grow up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just the moment when um, when Billy Crystal gets in the car and like eats a grape and spits the seeds straight into the window. Grape? No, I don't like to eat between meals. I'll roll down the window. And it, it's, it's like, even before that, when they have, like, he's just making out with, um... Yeah, the girlfriend. Oh, God, what's her name? Oh, God, I can't remember her name. I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it for the line from her, but, like, actually... Uh, you could have named... You could have dropped then. Yeah, I... Um, yeah. <laughs> Amanda? Yeah, Amanda Reese. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I'm better than Billy. Amanda Reese. That was her name, thank God. Oh, um. <laughs> but they're just making out, and then she's getting impatient and honks the horn. That's yeah. like immediately sets up her control freaky yeah. kind of like it's mm-hmm. automatically the base elements of who these characters are is yeah. there, and then and the consistency's there. Yes, and it just subtly changes as they age. She mm-hmm. continues to order meals. And obviously that becomes a big part of that speech at the end. But the way she orders meals, his almost like observational style humour. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. It's the, it's almost borderline the Billy Crystal stand-up kind of stuff. I going to ask, did, did he... Was he a New York comedian? Uh, Chicago and New York. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, obviously my exposure is Seinfeld. And I was just immediately like, I need to watch Seinfeld again. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> again. Um, and especially because the film opens with the Castle Rock logo. <laughs> I know. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so... Uh, but I would say, like, it, it's... In any other film, I think that would just be so very clearly, hey, this is just him doing 
improving stand like mm. in a in a Judd Apatow movie or something. It's just like yes. the improving kind of cut stand up material. But Nora Ephron's script is so good that yeah. it ends a lot of the stuff that they talk about and are setting up as their characters comes back into play later in the film. Like the book. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. And it's a simple thing to throw into the film. And it shows how his neuroses, and it's something that is kind of kind of looming large in him, is his fear of death and being alone. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, the big one is the Casablanca conversation. Yes. And how I love, that's one of my favourite things, where it's 20-year-olds who really don't know much about life. Yep. In taking their interpretation of the end of Casablanca. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. He, You're he wrong. Wa- he wants her to leave. That's why he puts her on the plane. I don't think she wants to stay. Of course she wants to stay. Wouldn't you rather be with Humphrey Bogart than the other guy? I don't want to spend the rest of my life in Casablanca married to a man who runs a bar. And then later on in the film, when they're in their 30s, they're on the phone and split screen watching the end of the film together. And it's... Yep. You get their perspective now, having, you know, lived life, gone through divorces and stuff like... Yeah, they've had their share of heartbreaks and successes and various things. And and they have perspective to be... It's like, oh, this is well done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and it's just very, once again, character consistent, like that little Mm. carry across... When they meet at the five-year interval yes. in the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, when she is uh, dating Joe. Good old Joe. Uh, randomly doing the research, I found out that is former President Gerald Ford's son. What? <laughs> in real life. That Seriously? actor. <laughs> the irony of the president who couldn't walk and talk. Having an actor as a son. Yeah, who is kind of gum, a little bit stiff, though. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason he got, like, two lines and we never saw him again. Yeah, but randomly in the end credits, he's, like, fifth build or something. <laughs> It was such an ensemble cast, wasn't mm. it? Oh, we'll get into the, the Carrie Fisher and the Bruno Kirby a bit later. Yes, yep. <laughs> but um, the five-year interval is great because they're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. They're yep. kind of established and are starting to figure out who they are. Yeah, they almost get along. Yeah. But they still definitely don't. It's amazing. You look like a normal person, but actually you are the angel of death. It's the thing of, like, I, I love them on the airplane swapping the seats and it's there's still the exact they've just progressed that first little step beyond their early 20s where she's still incredibly fussy and like you know that uptight controlling like the drink order on the plane here's what i want regular tomato juice filled up about three quarters then add a splash of lemon next to the splash and a little bit of lime. Sorry, then, if I was the stewardess, you're not getting a drink, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, your order was what? Yeah. <laughs> um, we only have water left. <laughs> and then his kind of arrogant, brash, blowhardy, almost dickish yep. nature, it's yes. still really there. Like, he's so wise and knows all this stuff about relationships and exactly how long you should lie next to a woman before you leave her. And exactly, and it's just like, why are you having Where this? Where do your facts come from? Yeah, you would hear his thoughts on climate science. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and then that sort of they again leave not getting along yeah um and then yeah it, it's so kind of wonderful that then next time you meet and it's like it's i think my favorite line in the film is carrie fisher's brilliant someone is staring at you in personal growth oh yeah it's fantastic <laughs> isn't it mm. <laughs> So, so good. Um, just hiding behind a bookshelf. Yeah. Like, full creeping. Mm, but it's, and then it's just so lovely that they it's a natural kind of... They both find themselves at the same kind of crossroads in life. Yeah. And 
It, and then they just start talking and keep talking. Because the thing that they always had was at least they could sort of converse, even if they had nothing to agree on. Yes. Um, they could converse. And once they're a bit more mature and they've sort of... Their hard lines are blurring a little bit more. Mm. And it, it's so... Like the signal... Like the signifying thing of, okay, we're really in this story now is... Mm. And that it's there's development now between these characters is she's talking about their first initial meetings and he yeah. just throws out, what's the statute of limitation on apologies? Oh, yes, that's like, right. Great line. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, cool, you've matured and you realise you're no longer that person anymore. And yep. cool, all right, we're, we're off to the races now. I also loved, like, the things that they both remembered and forgot about their initial conversations because as viewers, you remember it mm. because it's presented to you and that's and what It was you only get. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> Like, things that you say as, like, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. Um, that you just, like... Uh, yeah, just threw away as a line, almost. and But, but it sticks with people. Sticks, and then, like, 10 years later, you're like, oh, jeez. I, I was an idiot. Yeah. I have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at that's, least in this situation. Well, that's why I kind of... Why I love this film so much, because it's not just a romantic mm. comedy film. It actually does kind of address and just, like, kind of present that interesting stuff about life which I yeah. enjoy and I love also that it didn't focus on Korea it just left that out of the film yeah like it wasn't like oh I'm a high class lawyer or something like that yeah and um, that it, existed in their lives and you just knew that they were working professionals didn't matter yeah. didn't matter at all you knew she was a journalist who writes for New York Magazine yep uh, because there's like a throwaway line that um, Bruno Kirby Jess had he wrote an article didn't he yep. yeah um, and I think he's uh, he mentions at one point he's a political advisor or something Yes, that's right. Something like that. Yep, they're both, you know, you know, they're both just like financially secure and they have jobs. Oh, yeah, he's definitely financially oh, that's secure. apartment. Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the size of that rug. Yeah. <laughs> floor to ce- three floor-to-ceiling windows. It's- Excuse me. <laughs> that should be a political advisor. Yeah. Although, like, because, like, we are watching this the other day, like, with um, Claire and stuff, we could not help but comment on that Mm. but what I found was really interesting doing the research and stuff I'm just trying to find it in my notes um uh, where is it (laughs) oh yeah so apparently um Rob Reiner the director Noria from the writer and the producer Andrew Scheinman uh chose a lot of beautiful locations for the film so you've got obviously that beautiful autumn walk through Central Park the museum stuff and then Harry's apartment with those beautiful three windows Mm. Um, They chose beautiful locations to highlight the character's lack of insight. Ah. Uh, Harry and Sally are blind to their romance, and uh, so they put them in kind of loving, interesting, beautiful locations that they're also oblivious to. Yeah. Uh, The same logic was used for Harry's apartment, because the windows overlook the Empire State Building. Yes. Which can be viewed as either the loveliest or the loneliest view in the city. Yes, of course, yeah. So, depending on your mood. So, it's like a very conscious decision of that view and where they're placing the camera and... Yes, because they never interact with their environments or things around them, really, do they? But it's a Christmas tree. But it's always that beautiful... Wonderful, like it's a very romantic New York looking yes, film. Yes, it is, yeah. Like, but they are never aware of it. No, mm. no, at a time when crime in New York was doing its thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, this is like right around the kind of cleaning up, I Clean guess. Up time, yeah. yeah, from our, my basic New York knowledge. Mm. Um, we've got a, we're talking about the ensemble cast before. Yes. Um, and yes, we've got Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. Yes. Um, and that's it. Pretty much. Like, there's a couple of other random friends who appear occasionally. Yeah. Um, like, the, the third girlfriend, um, yeah. I forget her name. That's exactly. Like, yeah. Does she have a name? I think she does. Mm. Um, 
But um, yeah, Carrie Fisher, who just wants a married man. <laughs> Which is well, that's a wonderful little thing as well. The fact that like you're kind of showing a spectrum of relationships yes. and stuff, and you know, it's great. Yeah, it's no like fairy tale, direct fairy tale sort of one. And they meet over like a. Um, it even ties in with the um, interviews in between with the couples about how they met. Yeah. And then um, Carrie and um, Bruno's characters, um, Jess and um, Jess and Marie, Jess and Marie. That's right. Um, meet on blind dates with their. F- that their friends are trying to set them up with each other. and Harry and Sally are trying to set them up with each other. Yeah, like, and then not, they, they yeah. met through that way. So they've got their own unique story, which they they thank Harry and Sally at their wedding. But that's the only actual, like, mention, direct mention. Mm. That's another, like, how unlikely the way we got together kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I have to say, oh, that, that scene is so great, The double, how that ends, the double date scene, where it's... Oh, yes. <laughs> so good. I just love Carrie Fisher, just like, oh, I've been needing a new pair of red pumps. Yeah. <laughs> like so good. Silliest line to be able to, like, they even go away separately to talk about, hey, I don't really like Harry, can I go yeah. with Jess, and yeah. vice versa. It's like, oh, yeah, just, just take it easy. Well, I don't really feel much like walking anymore. I think I'll get a cab. I'll go with you. Great. Taxi! It's so great. Um, um, but I I gotta say, I think this is my favourite Carrie Fisher performance ever. Like, she is mm. always known, obviously, as Princess Leia. And yep. those are the go-tos. But I love seeing her do this type of character. And yeah. I don't think she did it enough. Like, or wasn't... I'm not sure how many times... I've seen her as a counsellor in Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, so when she, you see her pop up in something that's yeah. not Star Wars, you're yeah. like, oh. Hey, uh, she had a similar it. kind of role in a movie called Drop Dead Fred. Which, oh, she, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, um, no, that's definitely on the list. Okay, <laughs> um, but I, like her, like she plays it so perfectly. Yeah. That first scene where they're, I think they're at Tavern on the Green, maybe, having uh, lunch, the three. Something women. like that, yeah. And yep. just her delivery of the Nora Ephron dialogue is so perfect. Mm. She just nails that performance. She sits in there so naturally. Yeah. yeah. Just effortlessly brilliant. Yeah, she doesn't even need to be a caricature or a character or anything like that. No, she is just real. And mm. then kind of when it eventually progresses to her getting moving in and getting married with Jess, it's she's grounded in a different way and it's just so yep. perfect. And same with um, Bruno Kirby they're both he's a bit more eccentric as a as a performance but uh... yeah well he's just very he's just an affable kind of lovely yeah. guy and yeah. um, seeing like him he's the perfect counterweight to Billy Crystal who's a bit more manic and he's yes. a little bit the more True. quiet reserved one it's yeah. yeah his wagon wheel table what's so awful about it it's so awful there's no way to even begin to explain what's so awful about it yeah oh <laughs> So great. Um, But their first, like his introduction scene as well, when they're at the baseball game Mm. and uh, Billy's talking about how he's getting... the divorce, yeah. And it's just, every time he says something like that's really biting or scathing and like a knife to his heart, the (laughs) the Mexican (laughs) wave comes around. It's so well, and the timing is just well written, isn't it? Yeah. um, When I got married, so I could stop dating. So I don't see where we can still date as any big incentive since the last thing you want to do is date your wife who's supposed to love you. Which is what I'm saying to her when it occurs to me that maybe she doesn't. So I say to her, don't you love me anymore? You know what she says? I don't know if I've ever loved you. Ooh, that's hard. Yeah, it's it's really well done. It's like... 
well, talking about like, well, that's what I like. It's just these little punctuated, perfectly mm. timed scenes and moments. So we can't not talk about the scene, the phone conversation scene, the, four, the three-way split screen. Oh, that's well done. That is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. So after Harry and Sally finally hook up and it's awkward and uncomfortable, they both left. They yep. immediately call their best friends who are now married. <laughs> and in bed next to each other with separate phones. And we have a three-way split screen that is some of the most whip fire brilliant yeah. dialogue back and forth yep how, how was it? it the during part was good i thought it was good but then i felt suffocated but then i guess it wasn't jesus i'm sorry no worries how'd he get out of there he just disappeared i feel so bad i'm so embarrassed i don't blame you that's horrible i think i'm coming down with something i think i'm catching a cold um apparently how that was shot it was all on one sound stage with yeah. three sets so they were all there so in the location yep and because uh, they needed to be able to bounce so I was going to say, I wasn't sure how they did that. Yeah, mm. makes sense. And it took 61 takes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It works so, so well. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that was... Because it, it, it was sort of what you needed after a pretty intense scene. You needed something a little lighthearted, but still with purpose. R- remind you that this is a romantic comedy after yeah. all. And... Yeah, you don't want to leave the audience absolutely hollowed out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, well, because th- th- that's one of uh, pretty much my favorite, like, it's one of my go-to scenes whenever I mm. think of this film, yep. which is a great point to bring up, the famous Cat's Diner, yes. the I'll Have What She's Having scene, yep. where I'm intrigued to see, like, obviously when that rolls around, you're like, mm. uh, yes, everyone yep. knows this. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm intrigued to see, like, after it's done, is do you think that's a scene that will stick with you? Because it's one that I don't think about with this film that often until I'm watching it. Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, it's so pop, big in popular culture and well known that it's mm. not going to escape me anytime soon. No, no, it, it's what? obviously a very famous, yeah. great line. But I, 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 when I think of when Harry met Sally, I don't think of that scene. No, I, I think of random little. Other I ones. think of so. One scene I do think of, I'll come back to the restaurant in a second. Mm. Uh, I think of them in the first time I really felt their on-screen chemistry, like at a real high level, was in the museum. Yes. When he was talking to her in the weird voice. Uh, The pecan pie. Yeah, Yeah. and just watching Meg Ryan just engage back with Billy Crystal Mm -hmm. and try and do the voice and things like that. She's she's hitting that tennis ball back, like she's having fun with it. And that's where it just felt very real. It felt like two... Friends, maybe more than friends. And his reaction to her saying she's got a date. Mm. So, like, Billy Crystal, who knew you could act so yeah, well? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that was uh, a very memorable scene for me. And the way that it's shot, that opening, how it's so far away and, like, they're mm. isolated and they come in almost as silhouettes. Like, it's so yep. beautifully done. Yeah. But um, the, the restaurant scene, um, what I did get out of that one is that's the first time... Uh, Sally begins to act even remotely like Billy in terms of not caring what other people think mm-hmm. to an extent. She's like, all right, here's your medicine right back at you. Yeah, she's. It's the, you can see the influence of each other, their friendship yeah, rubbing off on each other. and I think that's probably what I get a lot out of that scene. She's never behaved that, you know, um, with non-self-consciously, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, um, being able to kind of do make a scene essentially like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, such a scene as yeah. well and in such a like yeah it's it is you're right it is a simple like i'm old enough now i've been listening to your crap for so yeah. long like nah buddy i'm calling you out on this right now and yeah. he never speaks of it ever again yeah it's just like <laughs> if you want to mansplain the female orgasm to me yeah. like here we go here we go <laughs> strap yourselves in and he just is so 
like admonished. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's all right. so perfect. You definitely won yeah. that round. Um, so yeah, that's actually that. It's true. Um, I think there are many better scenes um, for their relationship, but I did get a bit out of that. Yeah, uh, like I think my. It's not even a comedic scene, but it. I mean, there's stuff in it, but randomly the scene I always go to when I think of it is his. Uh, it's the wagon wheel coffee table scene. Oh yeah, and his performance when he breaks down. When he breaks down, you know, it's funny. We started out like this, Ellen and I. We had blank walls. We hung things. We picked out tiles together. Then you know what happens? Six years later, you find yourself singing Surrey with a fringe on top in front of Ira! Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, that's a really... That's like his breaking point. It obviously brings up really big, painful memories. Yeah. That he's been sort of letting out, but not fully letting out. Well, that's been the whole... His character progression is he's gone through a divorce and he is just wallowing in his depression and that's kind of his lifeboat from his depression is his friendship with Sally yes. and like I mean the, when they're watching Casablanca on TV and he's like I'm just gonna lay in bed and moan I know oh my gosh yeah <laughs> um, but then that scene is followed by them kind of having it out on the stoop of uh, Jess and Marie's apartment and his sincere apology and you realize oh yeah, this is what mm. this film is about. It is about this developing friendship relationship. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter if they fall in love. It doesn't matter if no. they have sex. It is just about them as friends connecting and yep. helping each other through life. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. It really, really, yeah, that whole scene. And then, um, and then her breakdown when she finds out that Joe is actually getting married. And she thought he never wanted to get married, and that, and so she's just in just like floods of tears, dropping tissues on the ground and stuff. Um, you realise that her, even though he'd always accused her of, um, you know, her breakup with Joe not really affecting her that much anyway. And then you get to see how much deep down it truly did matter to her. Well, that's kind of her whole character arc is that she doesn't let things get to her. Yeah. She is calm, controlled, measured, but deep down inside, mm. it's a, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, you know, him going there as a friend and, yeah, great friendship. But, yes, that's when the vulnerability. Mm. It's these two characters in a vulnerable place and then it just kind of progresses them with them having sex. And, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's where the film kind of, it, I applaud it so much because I looked at the time code when that happens Mm. and there is 20 minutes left in the film. Yeah. And it's, it kind of really hammers home the point of, cause the whole way through it's been the setup of can men and women just be plutonic friends and does sex complicate things? And now they've thrown that in, but by throwing it in so late in the game, it makes it it kind of hammers home the point of, like, that's not what this movie's actually about. Yeah, it's not like, um... What was that Timberlake and Myla Kunis film? Oh, oh God, there was, like, two that came out because there was also a Natalie Portman, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, weren't they, like... It's either No Strings Attached or Friends with Benefits. Yeah, something like that. It's one of those two. (laughs) And I didn't watch the film, but the the premise was the opposite, basically, wasn't it? They basically become Friends with Benefits. Yeah, (laughs) and then... start, and then, I'm assuming, they become more than that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's the, the... you know, can the other way around, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's sex, it's basically sex, my take on it is, like, mm. sex doesn't complicate things, it's the complicated, what makes it a relationship is the friendship basis, and it's, yes, yeah. that was kind of ancillary, and it was something that, 
you know, Harry thought we'd always loom large and be a... Th- or, like, in his younger days. Yes, yeah, deep down. Be a thing. And it's just like, no, that's not... The film is actually about friendship. It's not about, mm. you know, men and women being friends and sex and... Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's what it seems to be. And that's why I think, like, my question of what makes it so classic is... And going right back around to the beginning of the episode when I yep. said... It subverts the genre expectations where, you know, you don't have like, I mean, let's go with, you know, I said it happens one night where it's like Mm -hmm. guy and girl in a road trip situation. They hate each other, fall in love. You've got mail. She runs a small bookshop. Tom Hanks works at Borders. He's going to close her down. You have that work conflict thing. So there's not like a work conflict or a, you know, a bullying other man or other woman situation. No, No, it's they have to overcome their essentially what's st- staring them in the face and yep. it yeah, subverts and adds something new to the genre yeah they don't have a um, like a, a ticking clock or a, an enemy or a driving force besides themselves mm. um, and their own demons or whatever yeah their own kind of yeah but uh, yeah no you spot on like it's just a very good film mm. yeah I liked it a lot more than I thought I would I was just expecting like growing up, I definitely remember watching You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle. Both also written by Nora Ephron. Yeah, I was wondering if that was the case. Yep, yep. Um, and starring Meg. Um, and I don't know how old I I probably would have been like 10 or something to watch those. I don't remember. Yeah, they were on TV a lot. All, all the time, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe Billy Crystal's more charismatic than Tom Hanks. Oof. <laughs> well, uh, randomly, like, I'll, I'll say this one now, yeah. but um, I've got a bunch of alternate casting. Apparently, mm. Hanks was offered the role. So Nora just wanted him. Turned it down because, quote, it was, this is his words, too lightweight. Oh. Ooh, savage, Hanks. Like, yeah. you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. But then you went on to do... So make some great career choices straight after that. But, but then also, it's... To call this one lightweight, but then, like, no, no offense meant against Sleepless in Seattle mm. and you've got mail, but... They're not as strong. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that's yeah. maybe him realizing how bad he messed up. <laughs> yeah, and he won a few Oscars before in between. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all that being said, Billy Crystal is perfect in this. Yeah, he I is. Think, he's so. very, very good, actually. Mm. Um, like I got yeah, like I said, I've never seen him in anything else apart from Monsters Inc. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's like, he's an odd one where he yeah. pops up a lot, but you don't. Like, Analyze This, maybe? Oh, yeah, I never saw Analyze This. No, that that was, what, 2001 or something, is that right? Something like that, yeah. 99, 2000, something like that. Um, I mean, the big one for me is City Slickers, which I will probably make you watch. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, Just, that was a huge... Also, Bruno Kirby in there, so... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's Billy Crystal, Bruno Kirby, and Daniel Stern. Oh, yeah, okay, (laughs) yep. um, But, yeah, it's... I know... I, d- I love this film so much. It's one that I go back to at least once a year and mm. watch. I've seen it a lot. Um, yep. Uh, the great example of the power of how good this film is, um, we were going to watch it the other night and Claire was, my wife was like, oh, you know, we watched that kind of recently. I'm good. I won't, won't do that. Yep. And then I'd put it on the other morning and she just came and sat and ended up watching Watch the, the whole thing. Whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> laughing out loud, loving it. It's... It just moves at a good pace too, it's doesn't it? It's 90 minutes. Yeah. It is short and... <laughs> yeah, when I popped it in and uh, I'm like, an hour 30? What? Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> We're so accustomed <laughs> to... I know, these like absurdly... Well, I guess like the early 2000s, every movie was like 
two hours 20 and oh and now it's even worse like it, yeah it had a little nice dip back and then they got long again and then everything's um, so Judd long Apatow now, which doesn't is, know how to make anything less than three hours yeah, it, it's it's fine for a film to be long I have no problems like I mean if it's got a story to tell yeah like we're, when we're recording this like uh, they've just announced that the new James Bond film is mm. two hours 45 Really? And everyone's like, oh, God, prepare your bladders. Sorry, this is just a pet peeve. Like, are you serious? Like, I go without going to the bathroom for three hours all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like... Stop saying that as a... You just stop buying the jumbo Pepsi on the line and you'll be okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's like, okay, I'm... Everyone's complaining about that. I'm like, no, I'm fine with that because Mm. this is the ending of the Daniel... Like... Yeah, it should actually have a conclusion to it. There's a reason... Like, Lord of the Rings being so long. There's a reason they're Mm -hmm. that long. Like, that's fine, but... This film so perfectly, like, doesn't overstay its welcome, says everything it needs to say in a concise yeah. time. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. No, I, I, it just is very succinct. It doesn't waste scenes. Um, and, yeah, the, the time spent dwelling on the um, the the early, what, the 21-year-old and the 26-year-old sort of segments or whatever, mm. uh, it's just a perfect amount of time. Just, just brief, to the point. When it first started, I'm like, oh my gosh, this can be like a road trip movie. Yeah, and it's like, wait, wait we're in 1977. Yeah, I know. It's I was a period. Very confused film. to begin with. But um, it just spent a good amount of time there, established them, established mm. that they don't get along and, and move forward, and then got us to the current time. And like, all right, off we go. We're off. Yeah, we're, we're going. Um, and I think it's like, that's a testament to Rob Reiner as a filmmaker. Mm. Um, this is right when he is on an absolute roll. Uh, yes. Just like smack bang in the middle. Um, obviously, his first film, Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. huge one. But then, uh, so from '86 through to about like '92, he's I think he's just just kicked killing up. it as a director. Yeah. You've got Stand by Me. Yep. Princess Bride. Yep. When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. Misery. Oh, I've seen all of these so far. Uh, which I love the little nod that uh, at one point Harry's reading Misery. I know, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And then A Few Good Men, like different genres yeah. and just nailing everyone. Yeah. Like, He's a very, very good director. Yeah. um, I love hearing about the collaborative nature of making this film. Mm. So apparently um, he and Nora Ephron kind of just had a general lunch meeting and stuff to talk about working together. Um, Nora Ephron had been writing for a while. I think she was Oscar nominated for Silkwood. I was going to ask what else she's done. Such a familiar name. She kind of had a bit started as a bit of a more dramatic writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to quickly pull up her filmography so I can give her adequate respect yes um yeah so uh, Silkwood was kind of her big one yep. uh that kind of put her on the map the Mike Nichols film with um Meryl Streep Kurt Russell share mm-hmm. uh she wrote the novel for and screenplay for Heartburn which also Meryl Streep Jack oh, Nicholson yeah. um and then yeah so she'd been around as a writer for quite some time yep um they kind of met to discuss stuff and apparently yep. um I found a great them kind of sitting down chatting video yep online and she pitched him an idea that he hated, and then it turns out he'd just watched uh, Ingmar Bergman's Scenes from Marriage. Oh, which yeah. I Which I coincidentally watched last week for yeah, my I other podcast. I I had seen that pop up on your Twitter recently. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I watched for Criterion Quest, <laughs> yeah. and that is just a miniseries kind of dropping in on random scenes of this marriage as it slowly crumbles in a divorce. Mm. And he was like, I'm intrigued by that, just the notion of dropping in on people at a point in their life. Yeah. But if we can do that in a less depressing Ingmar Bergman way. Yes. <laughs> and so he and Nora Ephron kind of worked on the script for like five years, slowly wow. developing it. Yep. A lot of the dialogue came from just their conversations. Harry yep. is very much based on Rob Reiner having just gone through a divorce and wallowing in depression. Yep. Uh, Sally apparently is pretty much Nora Ephron. 
Well, yeah, rider. Yep. Like down to the point that uh, she, uh, that's how she orders food and oh drinks. Oh. And apparently uh, she was on a flight and ordered a very complicated drink. And the yep. stewardess said, have you ever seen When Harry Met Sally? No. <laughs> like, nice little. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, well. But then like the phone conversations at night. Yep. Apparently that is Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner. They used to do that. Really? So yeah. it's... It's getting... just a lot of personal stuff. Um, hmm. Yeah. And then when Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal got involved, all four of them kind of workshopped the script together yeah. and had input and added stuff. Apparently the diner orgasm scene was Meg Ryan's idea. Good on it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and the Kappa line said by, that's Rob Reiner's mother who says the yes. famous one. I'll have what she's having. That was Billy Crystal's idea. Yep. So it's just this big collaborative yeah. effort, this one. Now, it does remind me, before I forget to finish off with the, um, talking about the film, is um, Billy's final speech, you know, I, you know, when he runs up to her and she's like, that's not good enough. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. I'm like, oh, is that from this film? There you go. It's, but it's it's so well like placed and delivered and the stuff in it. And you're like, yeah, it's kind of got that good old rom-com cliche, but... Um, apparently in some earlier drafts, they didn't get together. They just stayed friends. And then they were like... So they did the pretty and pink ending. Kind of, but they were like, you know what? I I think we've earned it. Like, I think they have, like... Yeah, it's it doesn't feel tacked on. It actually feels like a perfect way to end it. As a viewer, you felt like that's where they had to end up. Yeah, if, if it was just, hey, we're just friends again, mm. you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Like, good because you're doing something different. Yeah, it's good because different, but it just works better with that ending like I was assuming the ending is Hollywood but yeah. also fully believed in the relationship is in that regard mm. so. and then the button on the whole film of the them is the talking head of the married couple which oh, is yes. yeah. just very sweet yeah. um, I, I kind of like that apparently that was something that kind of came in very later in the editing process they were yeah. kind of figuring out having trouble transitioning some scenes yes, and they're like yeah. how about we do this and so rob reiner ended up interviewing a whole bunch of couples mm. and uh wrote down their stories and then got actors to kind of sit and do them yep. yeah yeah Lovely. i i wasn't sure like after the first one how it would go for films worth but all the stories were so different mm. um and stuff it just once again just really brought out the real varied nation uh, nature and how people can meet um and come together and like like one of those couples who met when they were or got together properly when they were like 50 yeah and things like that um i just love yeah that one couple is like we've been married for 40 years but we've like we're divorced for most of them. yes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think it just really matches with the film of these two who've gone through you know find themselves in their 30s got their own little midlife crises sort of thing going on in a mm. way and yeah mm. yeah it's just a great Perfect yeah. film. I, I love this film a lot. Yeah, no. Um, um, so what do you reckon you would have thought seeing it as a kid? I think if I'd watched it in the way I think I would have, which would have been with my family, um, I think I would have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think, though, I would not have appreciated it for what mm-hmm. it is yeah. in terms of performances and just seriously just like the story. Yeah. Because um, like, I, I, like I said, I watched You've Got Mail and um, Sleepless in Seattle back in the day. And... Um, I remember enjoying them enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't, like, really have a desperate urge to watch them again. No. But no. I think if I 
now I'd be re- interested in seeing them again as an adult because they mean a lot more. Yes. Well, that's, um, yeah, I actually rewatched Sleepless in Seattle a couple of months ago and mm. was like, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, because I think I first saw this when Harry met Sally when I was maybe like 12, 13. Yep. And then again when I was like 17. Yeah. And then, like, is I... It, is it getting better with age? Yeah. And yeah. now now that I'm in my 30s, I like I said, I watch this film at least once a year. Yeah. I, I just really... Yeah, it, it ticks all my boxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you can just appreciate all mm. the little things and um, and what makes it superficially special. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, do you want to hear some alternate casting? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, as I said, Tom Hanks turned down the role. Um, other people mm-hmm. that were uh, considered for the part, we had Michael Keaton. Yeah, okay. So this yeah. is 1989. This is the year he does Batman. I was going to say, it's Batman time, yeah. Yep. Um, one that I think was a terrible choice, uh, Bill Murray. No. No. Too <laughs> Especially dry. this time as well. Too cynical, too dry. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, love I me some Bill Murray. Why, I can no. see why it was considered. Because <laughs> mm. uh, this is around like Ghostbusters 2 era. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the one that I really like, uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, at that time. So this would, is... Would have been all right. In particular, like, post-Working Girl, which is another semi-romantic comedy drama yeah, that I love. Yeah, that. I know nothing about it. Yeah. I love Working Girl. I think yeah. that like that's a great, great movie. And it's Harrison Ford doing something different yep. and romantic comedy, and he is awesome in it. I was going to say, like... 80s Harrison Ford had the right personality for this kind of film. And you forget, he can act. Yeah. Everyone just thinks, unfortunately, of him as Star Wars and... Star Wars and cranky old man. So I would have loved to have seen... I think out of all of those Mm. options, I mean, Billy Crystal is perfect in this film. Yeah. But he would have been interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. I could see that. Um... So apparently uh, Rob Reiner uh, wanted Susan Day to play Sally. Um, when Day turned down the role, he approached uh, Elizabeth Perkins, uh, Elizabeth McGovern, and Molly Ringwald. Oh. Which I found shocking because she would have been maybe Not that 20. Old. Yeah. I mean, Meg Ryan's pretty young in this, but she's... Yes. B- like, believably kind yeah, of... Yeah, she... Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, when all of... Like, you know, when... It was kind of being shopped around. Uh, Meg Ryan apparently lobbied really hard for the part and was like, I am, I, I got this. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, she was kind of an up and coming. Yeah. Like, is maybe, the thing that kind of made people recognize her was Top Gun. Like, she plays Goose's wife in that. Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot And then that. she yeah. started to kind of <laughs> get more and more little parts. And then, yep. so this is kind of her. Yeah, a few years later, getting a bit of a role on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, though, uh, Molly Ringwald would later go on to, um, this film was adapted into a stage play. Really? And, um, yeah, she... Uh, make a good stage play. Yeah, she, in 2004 in the London's West, uh, West End in London, mm-hmm. and she played Sally in the stage version. So, oh, kind of came go. back around. Yeah, so she got a role. <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll go into the little bit of factoids and stuff about the film. Yep. Some trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it had a budget of $16 million, and mm-hmm. it went yep. on to gross $92.9 million. Yeah, okay. That's uh, pretty good. That's at the global box office. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that's roughly $193.3 million in 2020. Yep, that's, so, that's a success. Solid. Yep. Solid. Uh, it was the 16th highest grossing film of 1989. Yeah, okay. 89 was a big year. That was like Batman, Back to the Future 2, oh, uh, yeah. Last Crusade. Like. Oh my gosh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, it was the 16th highest grossing film coming in behind previous films that we've done on the show, Back to the Future Part 2, yep. which is number three. But it beat The Abyss, which was number oh, 28, yes. mm-hmm. and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which was 33. Yeah, I always forget how low that one was relatively. Um, mm. uh, yeah, it interesting, was, 16th. Okay. Yeah, so like a moderate hit. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. Uh, five Golden Globes for mm-hmm. Best Film, Musical, or Comedy. Best Director, Best Actor and Actress in a Musical Comedy, yep. and Best Screenplay. It was also nominated for a BAFTA for Best Film, and it won the BAFTA for Best Screenplay. Oh, okay. And it was also earned nominations from both the DGA and the WGA. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, yep. so well got a, respected. A claim across the board. Yeah. yeah. It's one I was actually surprised to see has yet to be inducted into the National Film Registry. Yeah, because it's just, to me, just, it's such an iconic one. Like, yeah. Like... No offense, it's one of my favorite films and meant a lot to me when I was younger, but like Clerks got in this year. I feel this when Harry Met Sally should probably be in there before Clerks. Clerks is a very good piece of um time capsule Yeah, and very special piece of filmmaking. But and, and I'm saying this as it's one of my favorite films. It is. But <laughs> I I'm shocked to see that that is in there before something yeah. like when Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Like, I thank God Rushmore's in there. And now, again, one of my top ten films of all time, but... It, yeah, it's scooped in ahead. It yeah. doesn't seem like a... Yeah, this is such a classic piece of American cinema. I guess Rushmore sits under indie, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's like, like Clerks, they've got their own little... Mm. Yeah. And like the impact the filmmaker has mm. had, I guess. But, yeah, and that too, yeah. Yeah. But I guess... Um, yeah. That'll probably wrap up when Harry met Sally. Yes, I think it will. Um, so... So next episode, we something weird has happened, and we're going to do a, a bonus episode. Mm. Um, and it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. It's not that special, everybody. No, it's no. like kind of the same format. <laughs> but, Just be a nice little mini bonus kind. Yeah, of thing. be a little bonus that you mightn't have been expecting. So, um, so I'm just going to say, tune in next time. Yeah, that that works for me. So. Yeah, so I'll let Chris do all the social media sign-offs. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, yada, yada, yada. Twitter at Criterion Quest. Yeah, that's me. Um, Follow Chris. All that stuff, but yeah. He talks about other movies too. He's been talking about Parasite since March last year. Yeah, because it... And then uh, look what happened. Yeah, listen to this man. (laughs) (laughs) I've been part of the bong hive for quite a while. Oh my gosh, have you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess, uh, like Eric said, tune in and uh, listen out for our next little bonus, but... Thanks for listening, everyone. For this episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric, and we'll catch you next time. Prepared to be you. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.